Welcome back to Essential Ethics and our series of recordings from the 2022 National Paediatric Bioethics Conference, hosted by the Royal Children's Hospital Children's Bioethics Centre. I am Professor John Massey, Clinical Director of the Children's Bioethics Centre. The theme of the conference in 2022 was Dialogue Across Difference. This conference session is from Jack Southwell, a social worker at Royal Children's Hospital. The session is inspired by events that he has been involved in that have been complex and needed support from the Children's Bioethics Centre. The session is entitled Abandoned versus Relinquished, Challenges for Hospital Staff Caring for Unwell Children Whose Parents Don't Want to Be Involved. Jack describes the moral environment when looking after a child left in the care of the hospital. He discusses the technical differences between abandonment and relinquishment, but posits that there is no real difference for staff. The child left in hospital care poses ethical concerns for the child, the staff, the parents, and importantly, the relationship between them all. Jack examines the moral and psychological toll this relationship poses for staff. This session won the Patron's Prize for the Best Presentation at the 2022 National Children's Bioethics Conference. The presentation is hosted by the Children's Bioethics Centre Clinical Nurse Consultant in Bioethics, Dr Jenny O'Neill. So a baby boy is brought to hospital by his parents and is subsequently diagnosed with a complex but survivable syndrome. He will likely need to remain in the hospital for some time and will require a high degree of care interventions when he is eventually ready to be discharged home. His parents are really devastated by the diagnosis and there's a lot of grief for them associated with what they expected for their lives and for their family. They begin to spend less and less time at the bedside and eventually stop coming to the hospital at all. The hospital social worker reaches out to the parents who advise that they don't feel like they have the capacity to care for their son with his new diagnosis. They cite a number of psychosocial reasons for this. A meeting is held with both the parents, the social worker and the medical team Uh, to discuss this further. It's clear that the parents love their child, however, they state that given the extra care needs he requires, they can't be the ones to take him home. The medical team suggests to the parents that many complex kids are cared for at home and lead happy, healthy lives, and they will be supported to care for their son. The parents understand this, but insist that they can't do it. The parents advise... Uh, that they've decided they don't want to see the child anymore, nor do they want to be contacted by the hospital for consents or updates. At this point, the parents do not return to the hospital. As the child remains medically unstable and there are no effective guardians in place, a report is made to Child Protection who open an investigation. The baby stabilises, eventually, and spends a long time in hospital waiting for carers to volunteer and become available to take him home. It is well established that a child with medical and disability complexities is much harder to place in kinship or foster care, and that it is harder to identify a family that is willing to adopt a child with extra needs. A child relinquished or abandoned in hospital is likely to spend a very long time as an inpatient waiting for a placement, and many remain inpatients for months. So what do abandoned and relinquished mean? And what does a child alone in hospital represent? Where relinquished can sound formal, abandoned sounds emotive. Both can be judgmental and both can feel triggering. 
According to the Children's Youth and Families Act, a child is in need of protection if it has been abandoned by his or her parents. And in Australia, the definition of a child abandoned is the desertion of a child by a parent or adult caretaker with no provisions for reasonable childcare or apparent intention to return. A child may be considered abandoned if left alone or with siblings or non-related and unsuitable individuals. Abandonment is considered a form of physical neglect. In that respect, the above child in our story may not be considered abandoned, given his parents made provisions for reasonable childcare, i.e. leaving him in a hospital. Relinquishment is actually a bit harder to specifically define, and in Australia, the term's original meaning is often connected to forced adoptions in the 1970s. Some definitions of relinquishment refer to the surrendering of a child into care for any number of reasons. It should be noted here that the legal process for relinquishment, which for the purpose of this presentation means the relinquishment of parental guardianship and responsibility, is not simple. It is a lengthy legal process, usually involving child protective services and the family law courts. The Victorian Equal Opportunity and Human Rights Commission states that whilst the term relinquished tends to be preferable to abandoned, it still can create stigma and shame for the families that are already traumatised and grieving. I would argue that for the day-to-day work of hospital staff caring for a child who has been left in hospital by his parents, whether he has been abandoned or relinquished does not make a difference. For us working on the wards, what we see in the hospital room is a child without a parent or carer present, and we have the knowledge that the parents don't want to be involved and probably aren't coming back. When speaking about abandoned or relinquished children, of course, there are major Uh, ethical and moral dilemmas and questions which arise regarding the parent and their child. Issues regarding their voice, their privacy, their autonomy, their safety and their health care. For this presentation, however, I've deliberately chosen to focus on the hospital staff looking after these children to consider the different dialogues that clinicians have and the ethical challenges that we may navigate. Outside of a hospital, we expect that a child will be accompanied by a parent or carer at all times. A child on their own is worrying and sticks out like a sore thumb and immediately raises the question, where are their parents? And it tends to be the same in hospitals. At the Royal Children's Hospital, a carer needs to be present to supervise, provide consent, advocate and support the child, which in turn supports the staff. In the inpatient setting, carers remain at the bedside as much as possible and in almost all settings can stay overnight. There are times when we allow and sometimes encourage carers to leave the hospital for periods of time. However, this is in contrast to situations where parents may voice, for a range of reasons, both long and short term, that they don't want to be involved in the child's care and they leave the child at the hospital. Formal relinquishment of the care of children in Australia is rare. However, for us who support parents through adjustment to diagnosis and complex life events, the conversations about relinquishment can be very common. We see parents and families at their best, showing resilience and strength to support their unwell children. But we also see parents at their most vulnerable, when they are tired and fed up and scared and maybe flat they can't going on caring for their kids. Child relinquishment is a multifaceted issue involving feelings of grief, shame, relief and most often compounded by psychosocial problems such as a lack of access to resources, immigration complications, trauma, disability or disruption to attachment due to hospitalisations and treatment. There are also likely to be cultural norms regarding childcare at play, which may be different to what we expect in Australia. 
So how do hospital staff experience an abandoned or relinquished child? What conversations are had about these cases and how do we continue doing the work? It could be suggested that relinquishing a child is a more ethically responsible pathway for parents as opposed to abandoning. Again, however, I would suggest that for us looking after the kids every day, whether they've been abandoned or relinquished doesn't make a difference to our experiences. We know that working with sick kids is really hard and when children are left alone in hospital uh, and we know that parents aren't planning on coming back, different conversations occur across professions which may reveal the ethical and moral challenges that staff are experiencing. And here are some comments that you're likely to hear from staff in these kinds of situations. How could you just abandon your baby? Well, he'll just have to live at the hospital forever. It's really sad. He's alone in the hospital room for most of the day. I wish he could just come home with me. Or I wish I could just take him home. Foster carers don't want sick kids. And I feel so sad for his parents. For staff, a child alone in hospital raises questions around their need for connection, how their rights and voice can be kept at the centre of their care and how they can be kept safe. This tends to mean more work for staff across the board, both clinical and non-clinical, and brings challenges related to responsibility and resentment and best clinical practice. How we respond to an abandoned or relinquished child is likely to be informed by our own values regarding family, parenting and responsibility. We're quick to judge parents, and this, I think, is the natural response. We ask, how could you? We might label them as bad parents and bad people. We might resent them for leaving their child at the hospital because we're tired and burnt out by the work as well. The abandoning of a child is in conflict with what society expects of a parent, and we're likely to feel critical that the parents have backed out of their moral and ethical responsibilities. Often uh, we'll never know the full story of how parents came to make these decisions, but we tend to judge them for it anyway. We feel bitter about the extra work attached to a child alone in hospital, and on one hand, we can't wait for a discharge plan and a discharge location to be identified. But on the other hand, we're likely to feel sadness for the parents. We empathise with them and try and understand the situation, and we acknowledge that the decision that they've come up with will likely be the hardest they'll ever have to make. I think it's certainly possible to experience both of these emotions, judgement and sadness at the same time. I reflect on the ethical principle of parental autonomy. If we're to prioritise a parent's fundamental right to raise their child and make all decisions without any external intervention, unless the child is at risk of harm, what does this mean for our baby boy who has been left in the hospital for his parents? We should respect the parents and their decision, given it's their decision to make, right? However, as long as we have given the parents all of the information they require and they understand the consequences of their actions, then isn't it up to them to decide what is best for their child? It could be argued that abandoning a child in hospital is safe and doesn't place the child at immediate risk. However, we also know that hospitals are not great environments for children long term, especially when there are no longer any medical reasons for them to be inpatients. As a social worker, I also reflect on the harm that can come to children in the foster care system. We know that there are a lot of children in need and we know that there aren't enough placements for all of these children. These placements tend to be short-term and not stable. This in itself can be both morally and ethically distressing. We know that the parents are making a decision that they feel is best for their child, but this conflicts with our moral values regarding parenting and makes us worried for the child's future in out-of-home care. We compare the child 
alone to the child in the next hospital room who has their carers present. We can't help but feel sorry for the baby alone compared to the child whose carers are involved in getting prepared for life after discharge. We see other children come and go whilst the one we look after remains in hospital. For us that interact with the baby daily uh, on the wards, we're likely to become attached to the child and we see him become attached to us too. Professional boundaries can become blurred. We might go and see the baby and we give, we give him a cuddle because we know that's what he needs. But we also feel worried and distressed because we know we're not the right people for him to be coming attached to. When he's eventually discharged, we're likely to feel a level of grief. We have grown to know and love the baby and we worry that the discharge plan isn't good enough for someone that we've become attached to. For non-clinical staff, such as hospital administration or cleaners, who might also see the baby daily but know even less about the, the social situation, this can be really distressing for them as well. They also get to know the baby on their daily rounds of the hospital, but they don't know what's going on. All they see is a baby alone in hospital. We're likely to become significantly challenged and feel significantly challenged by the systems that are at play. We know that the child protection and disability systems are broken and that kids fall through the gaps. We know that there are limited resources and lots of children in need. In cases such as these, we rely on other organisations like the NDIS and Child Protection to inform us of their assessments and ultimately to come up with a safe discharge plan. We feel frustrated and hopeless after attending another weekly care team meeting where we feel like no progress has been made. Another meeting is set for in another week, meaning that our baby will stay in hospital for another week waiting. It can feel that the rights of the child seem to be lost while we wait for other organisations to come up with a discharge plan. It can feel that best practice is compromised, both when a parent is considering relinquishing a child and when they've actually been left in the hospital. For example, a hospital social worker is an agent of the hospital and is aware of the significant bed access and resourcing issues and must access for a speedy discharge. This means applying pressure to external organisations such as Child Protection, NDIS and the foster care systems to come up with a plan. And whilst we can advocate, we're still relying on others to come up with the answers regarding where the child is going to go once they leave our care. Again, we know that these organisations are under-resourced and wait months and months for support. And children wait months and months for support. And yet, we're likely to receive pressure from the hospital to get this child out ASAP. So we're caught in between. Even though this presentation is about the staff and the challenges we deal with, it is of course important to remember that the way we respond to patients and families and their situations impacts the children. If we have negative responses to a situation and this negatively impacts our approach to the care of children, this is both an ethical and moral issue and a best practice issue. The child's voice and safety must remain at the centre of our care. Children abandoned in hospital can start to be viewed as a statistic. Uh, Long-stay patients that need to be escalated to hospital execs to get them eventually discharged and get them out soon. The child's experience needs to be continuously kept in mind. So case studies about babies tend to be emotive and in a setting like a bioethics conference are useful tools to get people thinking. But I think it is important to remember that children of all ages are impacted by abandonment and relinquishment and this can change the experience for hospital staff. Just to give some brief examples, an adolescent has really challenging behaviours and is brought to hospital by their parents. The parents refuse to take the young person home until their behaviours are under control and until they get much more support from the NDIS. 
Or, a parent fleeing family violence leaves their primary school-aged children at the hospital and doesn't return for several weeks. Or, a child has had major surgery and is in hospital for a long time recovering. The parents don't answer their phones and don't come and visit. Again, these challenges are complex, and I think like all good ethical and moral conundrums, more questions are probably raised than answered. And as such, I'd like to leave you with some final questions to ponder. How can we ensure that the voice of the child remains at the centre of our work? How do staff ensure that personal values do not negatively impact uh, working with parents who are considering the relinquishment of a child? Is a child left alone in hospital truly abandoned? And finally, is it ethical to allow an abandoned baby in hospital to develop an attachment to staff and vice versa? And if it's not ethical, how do we manage this? Thank you. Thanks so much, Jack. And in true ethicist style, you have left the most difficult questions open. So it'd be great to hear what the audience thinks about those questions. Mm. And you've certainly painted the picture of the, the baby alone in hospital and how that image can sometimes overshadow everything else, including the facts sometimes. Mm. Do you have any suggestions about how health professionals can maintain a balanced view in mm. those situations? I think, like I've said, it's, it's, it's really hard because you do go and see a baby every day and the natural instinct is to chat away with it and get some positive responses from it. I think the only advice I can give is to talk about the challenges with your colleagues, especially colleagues in different professions who experience a baby or a child alone in hospital differently. The nurses obviously spend much more time on the wards and probably get to know the, the babies better than others when people in my profession like social work might come and go every now and then. I think a way to manage it is to talk to our colleagues about how they're experiencing the child and also just to keep in mind our individual uh, roles and responsibilities in advocating for a safe discharge plan. If we're continuing to work towards a discharge, which is what we want, we just have to remember what each of us can individually do to, to keep that process moving along and sort of keep the, um, the goal in mind. Yeah. Sometimes hard to wait for that safe discharge plan rather than the first plan, yes. which <laughs> might not be the safe one. If anyone has any other questions, Georgina, you've got one? I'm just wondering how useful it is to make the distinction or to focus on the distinction between an abandoned versus a relinquished child, whether it's more useful just to look at the feeling of the child alone in hospital. Because to my way of looking at it, an abandoned child is where the parents have just exited stage right and left no sort of responsible plan in place for the mm. child. Whereas relinquished, and there's sort of a long history in the, in the discourse about... You know, relinquishments. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, back in the 1500s, he and his, um, I think she was a showgirl, uh, sort of <laughs> partner, they left five babies that they had together at the steps of a, a foundling house in, in Paris because they decided that they were not going to be good enough parents. So the best, the most responsible thing to do for the child was to leave it at mm. the steps and let someone else look after the child. And that has been sort of applauded in mm. the centuries since then, that if you make a responsible care plan for the child, even if you are not the one carrying it out, then... So in a way, I guess, in ethical terms, relinquishment is more morally acceptable mm. than abandonment. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but that, do, that distinction, I imagine, doesn't help you in the wards when, mm. you, when you look at the child. So I just wonder, 
whether there's any value because to me uh, you might feel moral regret if you think that the child's relinquished because that's sad but you might feel moral distress that something bad has happened if the parents have just left the child so is it more is it just ethically is it just distressing to see a child uh, without carers other than the staff there that are caring you know, the, the parental figure mm. and I guess is it useful to use the abandonment relinquished distinction at all or is it distracting. I think I, I, I agree with you largely for, for when you're working on the wards day in and day out, there, there is no distinction. The distinction's probably not actually talked about either, whether this child's been relinquished or abandoned. The term abandoned is used a lot casually uh, with these kinds of cases, because regardless of whether a family has you know left the child on the steps of a church or, or left them in ED, for us, we still feel this conflict that they've just left and just abandoned. But I think you're right. I think in general we probably don't, uh, in our day-to-day -day work, actually make the distinction of relinquishment or abandoned. Maybe if we're a lawyer and we're the ones, you know, going through the family law court process or in, with child protection and maybe sometimes social workers, but I think in general across the board what's distressing is that a child is by itself and that, yeah, the title we give that child doesn't really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, we've got a few more comments. Rachel said that in South Australia we try and have the Department for Child Protection fund hospital carers for 16 hours a day, the same carers where possible, to provide that consistent support, which sounds like a fantastic mm. program. And in the same vein, Anne has commented on ward grandparents, which have been a fantastic resource in this role for the parents. Mm. And Sonia's commenting on chairing moral distress, which can be helpful in, in uh, dealing with these situations. Mm. So, yes, I think a lot of the clinicians have struggled with these types of situations. All the scenarios you posed are, are quite common. Thanks so much for coming Thank on and, and chatting to us. I hope you enjoyed this podcast from the 2022 National Paediatric Bioethics Conference. Please give us a rating on your podcast app and feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends. The conference sessions were recorded in the creative studios at the Royal Children's Hospital. The National Paediatrics Bioethics Conference was supported by generous funding from the Royal Children's Hospital Foundation and the Humanity Foundation. The conference will be on again this year in September. To find out more about the conference and the activities of the Children's Bioethics Centre, please visit us at www.rch.org au forward slash bioethics essential ethics be inspired